0: Mm-hmm. And kind of that, uh, oh, I'm on. <laughs> is that a hint? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. So okay. Well, I can start. It is 631, so I will start. I'm glad y'all are here tonight. Um, hopefully, you picked up the handouts and then the prayer request here. Um, I heard somebody mention... Aaron, um, he does have COVID pneumonia, but is now testing negative for COVID. Is that correct, Pastor? Okay. All right. Um, yeah. So yes. So that's good. He's, any, he's still in the hospital, but he's not in ICU. So that that's good news. Um, and I don't know that I know a lot more about any of these other ones. But let's let's begin with prayer. Okay. Father, thank you for this time tonight. Thank you that we can gather and study your word. We do pray for these that are mentioned. We ask that you be especially with Aaron and Shannon and the children tonight, that your presence would be so evident in their lives. And we ask for healing for Aaron. Pray for Andy and the loss of his mom and for all the others on this list, Lord. May you do your work in their lives. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here for Courage Amidst Chaos series. It was good to hear from Stuart these last three weeks and come to understand a little bit more about Joseph and um, his life. I think you're going to find some parallels in both of those stories. But three words of introduction about Daniel. First, we'll obviously be studying the book of Daniel but we only have four weeks, so we're not going to do like the visions, the prophecies. That's not what we're going to major on. We're really majoring more on the life of Daniel and how God was shown through Daniel's life. Okay? And then secondly, if you've been in ladies' Bible studies with me, I don't think anybody in here has. So I'm going to tell you a revolutionary statement. It's shocking, and that's my second part of the introduction. The Bible Is a book about God. Bet you didn't know that. (laughs) Shocking, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. The Bible is a book about God. So when we're looking at the life of Daniel, we're really looking to see what we can learn about God through the life of Daniel because the Bible is a book about God, not just about Daniel. And you could have said that, Janet, sorry. (laughs) Um, And third, our title, Courage Amidst Chaos. I chose the title and indeed what we're studying because I think, well, haven't we seen quite a bit of chaos in the last couple of years? Yeah, yeah, yes, a lot of chaos. And so um, I think we're going to discover that there's things in Daniel's life and in Daniel's world that relate to our world today. And in fact, each week I'm going to tell you one thing, boil it all down to one thing about our world, two things about Daniel, and three things about God because he's the most important. Okay, So that's what's in your, on your handout there on the right. Those are your note-taking places. I, I want you to know, Pastor, it was so hard for me to put this together because it's not in outline form. Can you see that? I do everything in outlines, and he teases me about it. So, um, but I tried to just give you some information, but I did want you to physically write the f- points that we're going to put because I think that will help cement it into your brain. So we'll tell you something about the world, something about two things about Daniel, and three things about God. All right, if you have your Bibles, open them to Daniel chapter 1, and that's where we'll be to start. If you don't have it, I also have it up here on the screen. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Asphanas, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans." The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, And Azariah he called Abednego. So that's the opening scene of Daniel. But let's talk about what happened before that. Hi, y'all. Glad you're here. There's some handouts right here. Can I give you? There you go. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what happens before the book of Daniel. So. This this passage describes things that happened in about 605 B.C. But 300 years before that, King Solomon died. And it made his son Rehoboam king. Now, Rehoboam didn't rule very well. And that caused the people to ask for a young charismatic leader to join in. And his name was Jeroboam. Jeroboam promptly split the kingdom took 75% of the tribes to the north and leaving only Judah and Benjamin in the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was a hot mess. Uh, King after king after king ruled poorly there. Um, And they were captured by the Assyrians and then later the Babylonians. Those 10 tribes who made up the northern kingdom became so assimilated into the culture there that you really couldn't even distinguish them from uh, the rest of the culture. The two tribes that were left in the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, um, they were a bit more of a mixed bag, I guess you could say. They had some good kings and they had some bad kings. Many of the Jews there also strayed away from those lifestyle requirements set by God. And they were repeatedly warned by God. Ezra, Nehemiah, very specifically in Jeremiah 25, way back in Leviticus 26 and in Deuteronomy 28, God repeatedly warned them there's an exile. There was an exile coming if they didn't repent. Well, you know what happened? They didn't repent. So... God's many words of warning came to fruition, and the Babylonians conquered Judah. And that's where we are right now. In fact, from this point forward until the end of the New Testament period, they were under the rule of successive empires. That northern kingdom started with the Assyrians, and then they, the Babylonians, southern kingdom, the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, and then the Romans. But this was the first of three forays into Judah where people were captured and carried into exile. And that's what we just read about in Daniel chapter 1. And in these short verses there, we can see already something about the culture, something about God, and something about Daniel. So let's do the culture first. It's so obvious. Look in verse 2. I'll get you back to verse 2. And the Lord gave... Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God and he brought them to the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Nebuchadnezzar took the items out of the house of God and put them in the house of his little g-fake gods. Why? I'm asking you. You can answer. Gold for, one thing. Gold, for one thing. They were valuable, yes. The, the, the items were, um, the craftsmanship was amazing. It was the finest things they had, yes. Certainly, because they were valuable. Why else? Mm-hmm. He was making a statement. You're right, Chuck. He was saying, my God's better than your God. I'm going to take your God's stuff, and I'm going to put them in the house of my gods. Oh, can you imagine? I mean, think about it. God, The items that God had set apart, the sacred items, the vessels used in worship of the holy Jehovah God were put in this temple to fake. Little g-gods. Crazy. And I think that's what tells us about the culture. I'll submit to you that it was a culture of desecration. They took what God called holy, special, sacred, and defiled it. I mean, even taking it outside of the temple was wrong. But to take it outside of the temple and put it to worship in worship of another god, it was a huge statement and a huge trait of that culture. Taking what is holy and defiling it. Does that sound like us? Taking what is holy and defiling it? Would you say there are things in our culture that God has called holy and our culture is twisting it, desecrating it, defiling it? So tell me something. I'm sorry? Abortion, Abortion. taking life. God calls it holy and pure, yes. Okay. What else? Marriage. Marriage, yes. Absolutely, it's a holy covenant between two people and we're twisting it, getting it wrong what else gender change gender change okay god created the male and female and we're twisting it okay. anything else same sex okay same sex marriage yeah kind of the same thing we live in a culture that is taking the things that are holy that god says i want to set them apart for my use and we're twisting it. We're defiling it. We're desecrating it. Hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. His word is not, because you're right, His word is holy. Yeah. I mean, mine says holy Bible written on top of it, doesn't yours? Yes. <laughs> All right, your answers are good. We, like Daniel, live in the midst of a culture of desecration. But let's start our list about God for tonight, too. It's also in verse 2. In fact, it's found in the first four words of verse 2. And the Lord gave. And the Lord gave. It says, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. You see... This story of Daniel is. Sorry, I lost my place here. This story of Daniel is a story filled with much pain in a culture of desecration. But at the beginning of the story, God is sending us a message. He's saying, You think this was Nebuchadnezzar's doing? Do you think he was too powerful? Nebuchadnezzar was too powerful for God? No, absolutely not. God was still in control. He gave the kingdom over to Nebuchadnezzar. He gave the kingdom over to Nebuchadnezzar because of the people's disobedience. It didn't catch God by surprise. It didn't send him into a panic. He knew it was coming. Indeed, he foretold it like we talked about earlier over and over and over again. He brought it and he gave the kingdom to Jehoiakim. And despite everything that followed, the multiple death threats, fire, wild animals, scary visions and dreams, all of that that's in the rest of Daniel, God was then and is now still sovereign. And that's your blank. God is sovereign. I'm letting you write it down. Then I want to give you a quote. I think you've probably heard it before. I ran across it when I was preparing for these lessons, it just really sums it up to me. (laughs) So simple, but that's kind of me. Um, God is in control of who is in control. God is in control of who is in control. I mean, because God is sovereign, he's the one that's in control no matter what kings or rulers or powers are present. I mean, some of the sin. In this room may have been wringing our hands about those in power in our government right now. And if you aren't, then maybe you were two years ago wringing your hands. But guys, God is in control. He is the sovereign king over all. We have the privilege to live in a free country, and we should vote and pray through our decisions and vote according to what we believe God's Word says. But ultimately, we need to remember that we worship a sovereign God, and he's in control of whoever is in control. It's an exercise of faith for us to trust him to sort it all out in his timing. God is sovereign. All right, let's keep looking. I think we're going to look at verses 3 and 4 again, because I think we can find something about Daniel from this one. Then the king commanded Asphanas, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The people that were brought into captivity for Nebuchadnezzar were young, probably 16 to 18 years old. And they were either of the royal family or the nobility. That's what it just said. I have read it twice. They were without blemish. That just makes me smile because that makes me think of our Savior. Um, and he was of royal lineage, just like Jesus is of royal lineage. Just kind of a few ways that even Daniel was a foreshadowing of Christ. But let's look more about him Um Not only were they either of the royal family or of nobility, but they were young men who were wise and had been taught the best of what their community had to offer. They were skillful in wisdom, endowed with knowledge. And I think that's part of why they were chosen. I mean, the king wanted to bring these the best of the best into his community um, and to train them. The king chose young, handsome teens who had a track record of a competency in education and acquisition of knowledge and were known to possess wisdom. But I submit to you today that it wasn't just reading, writing, and arithmetic that they were good at. It wasn't just that. I believe that Daniel and many of the other young men also were steeped in knowledge and wisdom regarding the God they worshipped. Think that plays out in later chapters. You see their faith and their their um, their stability and what they knew. Remember, well, lem- one thing that I discovered as I was studying was, remember Daniel was brought here in what year was it? Do you remember? Six oh five. Good job. Six oh five BC, and he w- they were likely how old? 16 to 18 so let's do the math he was likely born then between 621 and 623 BC well that was right in the middle of King Josiah's reign over Judah King Josiah reigned from 609 to 640 BC who can tell me was Josiah a good king or a bad king yes, he was a good king he was a good king, he was a good king. He was only eight when he came to power, but over the 31 years Josiah reigned, he did some amazing things. He repaired the temple. The book of law was found. He mourned Israel's disobedience. Remember the story of how he tore his robes um, and he called the people to obey. He had the vessels that were used to worship false gods that were in God's temple. He had those removed. He tore down the altars and the high places used to worship false gods. He called the people back to celebrate Passover. He did so much to call the people back to the Lord. That's the king that Daniel and these young men grew up with. They may well even have lived in the palace. We don't know. But even if not, they were noble enough to get a front row seat to the revival that King Josiah called the people to more than the generation before and certainly the generation after. Daniel and these three young men who were his companions, were young men exposed to the beauty and the justice of the holy God. Now, the story takes place during Josiah's son's reign and they were evil kings, by the way. That's when our story takes place. But Daniel's formative years were spent during the time of a king who called people to return to the Lord. In light of all this, I'm going to give you your first point about Daniel. It's a long one. I had to cram it all in. Daniel was wise and knowledgeable about God and man. In other words, he had um, the education that he needed, but he also had the education in the Lord as well and I just love when I think it through I I love that God used all that happened in Daniel's life and in his childhood even to prepare him for this exile he was perfectly prepared to live in this culture of desecration because he had this foundation he was intelligent and wise but most importantly he knew the God that he worshipped how that must have helped him in the coming years to have this example of King Josiah to look back on. Another way I think we can presume that Daniel was wise in the ways of the Lord was his heritage as was evidenced in his name, and indeed the three young men with him. Let's examine them. Let's see. Um, Daniel, all of the names had something to do with God all of the names of these four. Daniels meant God is my judge and Mishael meant who is like God. Both of those have the L in them that means God. And then the next two um, have a shortened form of Yahweh or Jehovah embedded in them. And it is Hananiah Jehovah is gracious and Azariah Jehovah is my helper. These young men were named after the characteristics of the God that they worshipped. It was who they were. It was their very identity. And yet, here in Babylon, their names were torn from them. Their names were defiled as well. They were given new names, and guess what those names meant? Those names were linked with the foreign God. So instead of God is my judge, Daniel's name meant Bel, which was one of the Babylonian gods, guard his life. Mishael, instead of being who is like God, it meant who is like Aku or moon God. Hananiah, instead of Jehovah is gracious, this one makes me really sad, Instead of being reminded of God's grace, his name became, became, I am fearful of God. Fearful, Fearful. yes, sir. And Azariah, instead of Jehovah is my helper, it became servant of Nebo. Oh, sorry, which was another of the gods. I'm having trouble here, I'm sorry. These young men were named after the characteristics of the God they worshiped, yet those were defiled too. They took them away from their homes, their families, their royal noble lives, and even took their names and twisted the meaning of them to match that culture of desecration. Okay, we have one thing about the culture. It was a culture of desecration. One thing about God, he is sovereign. One thing about Daniel, he was wise and knowledgeable about both God and man. Let's read a little more and see what else we can discover. It's a long one. Hang with me. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. And deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Okay. I just have to say, I may forever be a children's minister because I know stories based on the titles given in preschool curriculum. This is one of those. Like, okay, in the New Testament, the story where the uh, men lowered their... The man, the paralyzed man in the mat through the roof is called Four Friends Who Helped. That's what that story's titled, yes, okay. Um, the story when Peter, when Jesus appears to the disciples and gives them fish on the beach when they're out. And it's after the resurrection and all that, okay. It's breakfast on the beach. So, anyway, this one. I thought would always be Daniel chose good food because that's what it's called in all the preschool curriculum. Daniel chose good food. But I think it's misnamed because really this story isn't about Daniel choosing good food. Really has nothing to do with the food itself, at least not nutritionally. It isn't about vegetables and water. This is about Daniel choosing God. You see Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. Think of it this way. Daniel a uh, king Nebuchadnezzar could take his home He could take his family. He could take his name. He could take their royal noble lives. But he couldn't take away their identity if Daniel stuck with what he had been taught all those years about the dietary rules and laws. He resolved that he would not defile himself. And and that's your blank. Resolved. Uh, Daniel was resolved. Sorry, I, I think I got my slides out of order. Daniel was resolved. And the word resolved, I looked it up. I, I like words, and I looked it up, and the word resolved is actually two words put together. Um, it's the words, and I think it's on your listening s- sheet, but it's, I believe, somebody correct me, Stuart, Pastor, correct me. Um, I think it's pronounced Sum and lab, is that right? Maybe, okay. And sum means, okay, to put or to place or to set. And lab means the middle, the midst, Uh, the heart, the soul, the center, the core. Do you see the picture it paints? Daniel set his heart and his mind, the center of his being, on this decision, he would not be moved. He resolved himself. And he resolved himself not to defile himself in this way. Daniel chose not merely good food, but he chose God and God's laws. See, the foods that were being served quite likely um, didn't follow the dietary restrictions that God had commanded. Some of those dietary laws protected from disease and some from gluttony and some were warnings against food that was sacrificed to idols. But all of them served to provide a clear distinction between the Jewish people and the culture of the day. The Jewish people, the Hebrews, were set apart. Their covenant with God made them unique and this dietary restrictions were part of that distinction. And that's why Daniel This wise young man, steeped in the tradition and knowledge of God, chose, despite all the temptation around him, to remain faithful to God's rules. Daniel drew the line. He said no. let me ask you, do you think this was a spur-of-the-moment decision for Daniel? You're shaking your head no, Darlene. Why? Okay. I agree. I think he thought through it. Something this firm, I think he had to have thought through carefully. And he was like, I'm going to draw this line. I think it was... He way long ago. When he was young, he resolved, I am sold out to the Lord, mm. And I'm going to follow him. Yes. Love that. I think he did too. I mean, he was only 16. So he had to have some of this settled in his heart before he was faced with this crisis. I mean, here he was, away from everybody that he knew and loved, except for these three young men that were his friends. I think he had decided. Maybe he decided as a child. Maybe he decided as they were carrying him on the journey back to Babylon. Maybe Who knows when? We don't know. But Daniel, I believe, decided in advance, and he was resolved. All along, yeah. And so they probably had been already being selected. Yes, had to have, have yes, good point. Good point. Hadn't thought of that. Yeah. But a blizzard as opposed to vegetables? I <laughs> know, really. Come on. <laughs> we, we have to draw the line somewhere, don't we, no. <laughs> I know we're laughing, but it really is the same for us too. We have to make our resolutions. We have to resolve ourselves well before the crisis hits. We have to build that faith so that when the time comes and we have a difficult decision, whether it be about food or whatever, when we are faced with a decision not to defile ourselves, we have to have that built in us before Uh, we like Daniel have to know who we are and what we believe before we're faced with that yes sir That yes, thank you. That's good. Really good. Okay, culture of it was a desecration. Daniel was knowledgeable and wise. Daniel was, and most importantly, God is. Okay, what else can we learn about God from these verses? Um. Daniel had resolved not to eat the food. He was going to separate himself from that culture. So he told the chief eunuch to give them only food and water. But this was against the king's command. The eunuch was supposed to obey the king, not some young captives. So why do you think he listened to them? Why did the eunuch listen to Daniel? Ding, 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 yes. <laughs> God granted Daniel favor and compassion. Let's see. God gave Daniel favor and compassion is what ESV said. And, I mean, I looked it up, a whole a lot of different versions. Everyone said God gave it um, or God brought it or God um, granted it. It was very clear that this was something that God had done. Those of you that know me know I like to plan. I like plans. I like good plans. And this was a good plan of Daniel. Give him 10 days and test us and all of that. But it wasn't the plan that convinced him. It was God. It was totally God, yes, That is great. You know, yes. The Lord gave it. The Lord granted it. He bestows favor and compassion. Okay, I told you I'm a word person. I, I looked up what favor means because I thought that was kind of weird. I don't know. It just seemed like a weird word there. God gave God gave Daniel favor and compassion. So I looked it up. It's some it's very clearly descriptive of God. The word is sometimes translated as mercy, sometimes love, sometimes loving kindness, sometimes steadfast love. Do you know what it is yet? Hesed. Yes, it's Hesed. God's unfailing, faithful, steadfast, merciful, loving kindness is what God gave Daniel. God gave Daniel hesed. He gave Daniel. H-E-S-E-D. H-E-S-E-D is the way. I, I mean, we've got Bible scholars in here so they can correct it. But in, in King James, I think it was always loving kindness, um, if I remember correctly. Um in remind me, grace the New Testament equivalent, the New Testament Greek equivalent is grace, more or less. Yeah, okay, yes. That's the same thing. We've heard stories about people uh, smuggling Bibles into countries they're not supposed to, mm-hmm. and the guards looking the other way, or mm-hmm. not checking their stuff. Yeah, same thing. God's given the same thing. Yes, yes. In God's grace, God's loving, his loving kindness, his compassion, that's what he gave them. That's what he gave Daniel. He's still today. Yes, sir, yes, oh. he, is, he is. Minute by minute, I'm so thankful, H.M. I'm so thankful for that favor that he gives us. Um, and that brings us to our next statement about God revealed here. Oh, I guess I did have a slide that had it in there. Sorry. <laughs> Imagine. God is loving and compassionate. I could have said all the other ones in there, but I was trying to make you not have to write too much. God is loving and compassionate. Okay. Last. And that's God. He's going to give us exactly what we need, even when we don't know we need that. Daniel thought he needed deliverance, but God said, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, last bit, I promise. Y'all are so awesome. All right, we're going to read. We're going to start back in verse 14. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus Daniel's plan was successful he and his friends were found to be healthier than those that had partaken of the king's food and then God gave them learning and knowledge and wisdom and he gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams And then, not only were they healthy, and not only did they find favor, and not only were they given wisdom and skill, but then the king himself recognized how far they exceeded the others in all ways. In fact, ten times better than the others. What does the number ten signify in Scripture? Completeness. So... Scripture's telling us what it means is that God was saying they were completely, wholly better than the others. I mean, they can't measure ten times better. It was completely better than all the others. Um, Why were they better? Well, it's there in verse 17. God gave them learning. Just like Pastor Don said, God gave. In fact, three times in this chapter, it says God gave, God gave, God gave. The chapter begins with the Lord, when he gave the kingdom over to discipline. So he gave, I mean, to Nebuchadnezzar. So he gave discipline. And then he gave Daniel favor, hesed, and compassion. And then he gave wisdom and learning and skill and dream telling. God is the giver of all that is good. Just like Pastor Don was saying. He is our provider. That's your last one. He is sufficient to meet every need we have with his glorious abundance. God is provider. And if you don't see it clearly in this passage, let these New Testament ones remind you. Every good And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Or Philippians 4, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself tells us to ask him to meet our daily needs in his model prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. God's our provider, and he wants us to recognize that he is and to respond by calling out to him to meet the needs that only he can meet. It was a pattern in Daniel's life, and we're going to see that in upcoming weeks. But for now, let's one more time look back on what we've learned. Daniel was in a terrible situation, captive in a foreign land, amidst a culture of he was separated from his family and the noble life he once knew. But Daniel was wise and knowledgeable, and he was resolved to not defile himself. But none of that would have mattered apart from the work of God. You see, God demonstrated that he is sovereign, he's in control of who's in control, and that he is loving, and compassionate, and that he's the provider for Daniel and for you and me as well. Praise the Lord. The sovereign, loving, compassionate, all-sufficient Lord, the Lord over Daniel and the Lord over you and me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are the sovereign Lord. We praise you. Thank you for the faithfulness of Daniel. Call us, Lord. Help us to resolve ourselves. Give us that strength we need to choose you over the ways of the world, the defiling, desecrating ways of the world. Thank you, Father, for the favor that you so richly pour out upon us. We pray in the name of Jesus, the one you gave. Amen.